0: What's up guys? This is all the smoke on strength and physique with your hosts Adam and Chris, where we provide you with evidence-based information, community support, and recognition to all those who are bettering themselves with fitness. On this episode, we're gonna talk about programming. Programming.
1: Programming for both strength,
0: physique, and all of the above just general programming try, try to get somebody you know um, to be more inherent uh, towards resistance training or you know uh, fitness itself um so you know we're kind of get yeah, anecdotal evidence and you know kind of research to support uh, i guess the reason reasoning why we programs for specific um goals and stuff like that um so chris yeah i know obviously um you're more physique oriented um what are, i guess the main lifts um, that you always kind of have into your programs? So
1: it just sort of depends on the individual, I guess. Uh, if, if someone doesn't like doing something, then I mean, then you can always figure out another way to do it. But the biggest core lifts I would say that I always have four people do is squat, bench, deadlift, and hip thrust. Okay. I think those four are probably gonna give you the most benefits for the exercise doing. And it targets the most muscle groups. So yeah. it's going to be great for building muscle.
0: I like it. Yeah, I think the same thing for me as well. Um, a powerlifting. Lot of, um, yeah, for, I guess obviously for SBD, SBD for powerlifting. But I guess my compound lifts that I like to hone in for a lot of my uh, clients are, you know, um, some type of key push-pull, um, leg, some type of maybe carry. Um, and like you said, like a hinge movement as of the hip thrust. Um, so I guess squat, bench, deadlift. Um, I don't program too many hip thrusts, but it is more utilized as an accessory. Um, I'll go as far as saying you can, um, I'll program pull ups um, as a made compound lift for, you know, either yeah, building really um, strength or hypertrophy utilization. Um, but I think one of my favorites, uh, or like you said, the ways that you can kind of work around it if somebody can't squat, bench, or deadlift with a barbell, um, like there's different variations or um, modifications that you can provide an individual to still hit um, target muscle groups, um, to provide, you know, a demanding stimulus. But I definitely think, you know, a push, a pull, a leg, um, and even as far as like maybe overhead press, um, and again, I think a loaded carry has a lot of, uh, great benefits as well, um, that can carry over to, you know, increasing strength in those three, uh, lifts. So Adam, what
1: are push and pull movements for the average individual?
0: So for the average individual, I think any type of push, Um, any type of like, again, barbell uh, press, dumbbell press, incline press, shoulder press. What about arms? Press. Um, Arms, honestly, for for a lot of my um, clients that I program for, I usually sell, hey, just do a bicep or tricep, X amount of rep sets. I don't usually give them a specific target or a specific exercise to do. I just say, hey, let's kind of hit this rep range or I say just have fun, um, explore it. Because a lot of people, right, um, you don't really need a specific rep range or, to, I guess, program for arms. I like to have them, give them the autonomy to choose what they want um, for that specific movement for arms, because I think a lot of us really know how to, you know, obviously work out of arms, right? You curl, you do some type of press. Um, If I do another accessory that's a press movement for, I guess, triceps, Um, I you know, like close grip bench press. Um, I'm a big fan of floor presses, um, just because that kind of saves the shoulders a little bit. Um, and again, it puts you, push you in that sticking point for enhancing, I think, bench press strength. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of things is uh, those key compound movements should be your core movements. And then, again, you know, those single joint um, accessory movements can kind of be taken to a more higher rep range, even for, you know, powerlifting individuals.
1: Yeah. So for increasing strength, what would you – how do you even go about starting complete, from complete scratch? Like I know nothing. Mm -hmm. tell me like your first step into programming something like do you just look at main lifts do you look at different days do you look at push pulls uh how do you take that approach
0: um so for anybody that kind of like first starts off even if their goal is just you know trying to just generally get into the gym I think you just kind of have to look at their schedule right what are they going to be able to get back into the gym if it's for two two days three days four days whatever we can kind of uh, figure out I guess the best program um, and I think that's a lot of the things that I'll ask the client Hey, um, you want to push pull legs? or you like oh up or lower or hey? Do you rather have full body um, and I think you know once your your time slot gets narrower and narrower, I like to you know incorporate more full body days, right because yeah. we can get uh, more bang for our buck um, We kind of reduce the junk volume that is um, perpetrated within you know longer um, duration workouts Um, for example, like when you're specifically just doing chest, right? There's probably this minimal threshold that you're going to reach really soon um, within that session other than, you know, if you're doing a full body, right? I can literally hit hit you with a push, a pull, a carry, and stuff like that. And I know we're going to hit a lot more, um, I guess a lot more uh, bang for our buck within that session and not have to worry about, hey, am I doing too much or am I doing too little?
1: So do you incorporate carries often? That's the second or third time I've heard you mention it.
0: Yeah, so I think... For carries, uh, I think just for grip, um, is great. Um, and what about again, your, like
1: deadlifts or bent over, like, is it
0: strictly for the grip? It's specifically for the grip, um, and I, it, will have a specific carryover for the deadlift, for the pull-ups, yeah. and for any type of, uh, you know, row and variation. Um, but I like to also kind of incorporate that to, you know, general physical preparedness or the conditioning. Um, I think my two favorite things are, you know, any type of farmer uh, carry, dumbbell, trap bar. Um, and then I love dead hangs, something I really started to fall in love with. Um, one the reason I think I really started loving with, you ever been to a carnival and you know, they have the pull up hang or a dead hang. And if you hold on into it for, I think it's 60 seconds, you get this like cool ass prize. No way. Well, I was like, yeah, I'm going to spend $5. I'll get this cool ass prize. And it was, I want to say it was like. A video, video game console. I was like, I'm about to kill this. Can we get a pause? Yo, can we get a? Did you even? Did, did you finish? No, I did it. That's nah, why I was like, never I never tried. I gotta start training for this. I never um, tried that, but I and it's 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 a lot harder than you actually think. That's what I would imagine. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, it'll it ha- it'll have some transfer over. Um, although you know that we have some literature there that say, hey, you can't really increase grip strength. Their grip strength isn't correlated to uh, living a longer life. Um, I definitely still think you know specifically trying to enhance that grip strength will have some beneficial carryover uh, for that.
1: Yeah, for I would completely agree. I think grip strength is extremely important. Not even, I mean, once you get to a certain point where you're lifting heavy enough weights, I think it's probably a safe bet to say you probably want a pretty strong grip strength. Yeah. And, obviously, if you're trying to increase strength, it's the same, but if you're trying to increase size too, I mean, you're going to get to a point where if you're properly progressively overloading your body, then you're
0: Grip's going to be a limiting factor. Yeah,
1: like, you still want to get to that point. I always see people doing, like, deadlifts or any type of deadlifts, with alternating grip. And it's like, you're you're doing, like, just the bar, like, what is really light warm-up weight for someone and they're alternating their grip. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, you could probably wait until you get to, like, the five, six, seven rep range to start alternating.
0: Yeah, I, I encourage a lot of my lifters to um, warm up with, you know, a double um overhand grip or double supinated grip, pronated grip. Yeah, pronated grip, damn. So yeah, I always encourage that um, until you get to, you know, a higher intensity where you just can't lift. um, And that's when you go ahead and do a switch grip, hook grip, whatever is comfortable for you.
1: Do you even know the science behind the difference between deadlifting with supinated versus pronated?
0: So if you look at like, you know, torque, right? So if you're holding it at the same grip, torque is always going the one direction. So if you do one hand this way, one hand this way, torque cancels each other out. So the bar isn't continuously spinning in one direction. So that's from what I learned in physics too.
1: Okay. No, I'm more so thinking like if you do both pronated mm-hmm. where the bar's like this or if you do both like this, is it changing anything by deadlifting with either pronated or, or
0: supinated or pronated? Um, I'm not exactly sure. Cause I know
1: the alternating, alternating, can- yeah, it alternates kind of
0: cancels without the torque. And it um, makes it easier to hold. I would say a lot of people that they, when they do, um, a pronated grip, right. It's more of a kind of a fear of tearing their biceps. Yeah. Um, and I've only seen that happen once in my lifetime. And I would say, uh, nine times out of 10, if you're doing it, I guess the correct way and recovering in the, the proper fashion, the likelihood of you actually, you know, tearing your bicep is very unlikely. So yeah, I
1: think it's pretty hard muscle to do, so. especially because it's engaged in almost everything. But yeah, you talk about recovery though. How often do you hit muscle groups, uh, for building strength? Like what's your, what's the idea strength program? Uh, how many times are you hitting muscle groups or the lifts or? Yeah. So
0: that? I think it's like you said, I hate saying it, but it's going to depend on a lot. Um, on the individual. Um, I do, however, you know, right, for example, if somebody sucks at bench, right, We know, strength is a skill, right? So the more times you practice that skill or practice that movement, you should get better at it. So um, that's why I try to really enforce that. It's okay if sometimes this session um, is lower on intensity. It's okay, because, right, we're trying to practice the quality movement. I think that's something that's underutilized a lot, Um, It was like, hey, if there's not, if load's not going on the bar, I'm not improving. It's like, no, we can focus on, you know, maybe adding an extra rep, adding an extra set. Um, Something that I was just talking recently to a coach was um, literally putting a a time gap or a time frame on something like, hey, here's four sets of something, um, hit it within, you have to complete this movement pattern in eight minutes. So it kind of gets you going. Um, So again, that's like kind of reducing that time frame hey, you're in, increasing uh, your work capacity in that way. Um, so if you're, again, that's a clear sign if I'm either getting better at the movement, increasing strength, or again, increasing your work capacity. Um, work but yeah.
1: capacity being how much you work how much work you do in a certain amount of time. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, I mean, yeah, again, we don't always have to add weight to the bar. We can do, you know, like throw in some tempo variations, um, but what, one and a halves, um, stuff like that to kind of, you know, enforce the movement of getting stronger in that specific movement. Um, but yeah, you don't always have to continuously add weight to the bar because if you're continuously doing that, more than likely you're going to run into problems later on.
1: Yeah. Okay, so get a little bit direction uh, on what I'm trying to get you to answer. What's your current program oriented towards right now that you're doing? Strength? Just, yeah. Right now it's just strength to, it's just straight
0: strength. Just okay, so
1: talk us about your weekly training right now. What's your days look like? Do you self-select your days as the week goes or do you have certain days?
0: No, yeah. So right now I do, I guess, an upper-lower split. um, And then towards the end of the week, um, because I'm a powerlifter, I like to literally have an SVD day. Um, And I highly encourage a lot of powerlifters to do that just right because, again, going back to that. SVD standing for... SVD, squat, bench, deadlift. So kind of incorporate like almost an SVD day or at least two compound movements so, again, you can have that work capacity uh, built up. So when you go to a meet you're not hitting all three of those main compound lifts and you just feel dead um, because those meets, you know, they tend to be a long day. Um, so being able to, you know, be used to that, um, again, will prep you for your meet. Um, so yeah, usually, you know, um, two days, you know, upper, lower. Um, and then one day is usually a, a, a fun accessory day where it's like a bro's where I just kind of chase the pump. Um, and then I have another, my fourth day will be a bench day. Um, and then my very last day, usually SBD, with maybe one or two accessories.
1: So you got upper, lower, a chase the pump day. Is that sort of just, you do whatever you're feeling like in that, that usually day? like a jack and tan day. And then you're doing up, uh, bench for your fourth day, mm-hmm. and then SBD, correct? Pretty much. So. so is your bench, are you doing that? Yeah, are I, you lacking in your strength in bench, or what are you doing the yep, extra I'll part?
0: always be team poverty bench. So I, like I said, like strength is a specific skill, um, I have my coach, and we've talked about it. Um, we program bench almost four times a week, uh, so hopefully, you know, one day I won't be team poverty bench anymore. Okay, cool. And then, so that's not to say, right? I'm not one RMing every freaking bench day, right? That's what I was. Sometimes, like, you know, it's literally a linear periodization part where, like, okay, we're going 260 four sets of four next week, 260 four sets of five, right? Again, I'm increasing volume, I'm increasing total work uh, session to session, week to week. Um, But I think more support, right, right, for my specific sport as a powerlifter, right? Um, Working up to heavy loads of top threes, uh, doubles, singles at a relatively high intensity, like usually an RPE eight or nine, um, and having back offsets later on in that session, um, either being based off a percentage uh, from your top day, right, because it's auto-regulatory, so like one day I might feel really good, so that RPE eight might be something way higher than it would be if I feel a complete crap. Um, And giving you a specific percentage Based off of that, um, and I usually do back sets just to kind of, again, practice that skill, build some more to- uh, total workload. Um, and again, I think the majority of it is like, okay, right, I worked up my top singles. Again, let's work on that, that movement pattern um, and quality of movement through those back offs. Yeah.
1: And I think that's a valid point that you mentioned about not maxing out every single day or working up to it week by week. Mm-hmm. that's something that i never really understood growing up and i knew nothing about programming is how oriented strength is and how you should just stick with like lower reps like i mean of course like your pump days do you do higher rep days on yeah. that
0: Mostly, most of those days are going to be anywhere from eight shit 25 reps like i'll do Man. like sometimes like cuz we know literature right 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 um to grow muscle hi- hypertrophy right you want to kind of fatigue that muscle or keep as much mechanical tension Um, throughout that set or session as long as you can because you want to stimulate as much muscle fibers to contribute to that movement Um, and that's kind of usually how um, you get the best bang for your buck and hopefully induce some type of protein synthesis or hypertrophy. Yeah and that's a
1: that's a big separation that I learned during this my master's program is strength and hypertrophy are almost two completely different types of programming. Mm -hmm. I mean you can do them Together but man, it's gonna be a long workout.
0: Yeah, yeah, like
1: with the rest times and you got to factor in the volume I mean, you're probably gonna be doing like 10-15 sets if you're doing only like three reps. I feel like
0: yeah I mean again, it's gonna be relative to the individual um, I have no problem with literally like beginning of my workouts sh- Focusing on a strength opponent. I think strength should be a key Goal for a lot of people. It should be in the program even if it's for a general population hey, tell me what you want to get stronger at. Okay, beginning of the workout, we're going to really focus on that. Um, I think for a lot of female in-person clients, it's like, I really want to do a pull-up or a chin-up. So it's like, okay, um, we'll warm up, do whatever kind of you know, shoulder workouts, um, and then we'll literally go into a pull-up and doing something like either three sets of max reps. And it's like, okay, next week, let's add two reps or let's, next week, let's add another set and beat that. Um, or stuff like that. I think um, with RPE, um, I like to use RPE stop with pull-ups. Um, so it's like, okay, we're going to go till we reach an RPE eight. And again, um, I think we just had a side talk about it is a lot of people, they don't really know how to push themselves and why a lot of people struggle putting on muscle or really increasing strength because, um, RPE nine, right. That we actually know what that feels like. Um, but for somebody that's never trained with RPE, it's kind of difficult to gauge an RPE. So like somebody one thirty-five, three sets of ten. Somebody's always going to say an eight, an eight, an eight, and like you did a really good thing. It's like, okay, we're gonna see. You're gonna we're gonna see what an eight really feels like. Okay, this set we're going as many reps as possible. Or you program an AMRAP, um, just to again teach that client. Okay, this is really what an eight feels like. What you kept telling me before was probably about a four or five.
1: Literally. Um, yeah.
0: So and then, again, that's a really good teaching uh, tool for your clients.
1: And I think RPE is extremely important for both strength, uh, strength or hypertrophy, just because a lot of people that don't push themselves to those 1RMs, they don't push themselves to failure.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I know, all right, I'm not going to say that, but there's there's people that just, they don't know what to failure actually yeah. feels like. So for
0: everybody out there, Chris, go ahead and kind of explain what RPE even stands for.
1: So rating of per- perceived exertion. So basically on a scale of 1 to 10, how difficult was it? But that doesn't mean like, Okay, like ten was very difficult. One was pretty easy. Um, six, I was hard, but it, it wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. That that is one way to describe it, being that one is really easy and ten's really hard. But ten's not really hard. Ten is like you couldn't have done any more.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, nine being RPE of nine, meaning you maybe could have done one more, but you didn't do that last rep. Uh, eight being you could have done possibly two more and so forth to seven. The farther you get away though, a little bit more. I would say like seven and eight is pretty solid. Like seven, it's usually like around three or more. Six and anything
0: lower, I'm going to say like, okay, like we no definitely got to do more. Yeah, um, especially yeah, so for strength. Um, I think being able to work up to something that's a uh, top set of eight or nine RPE wise where you can only do one or two more reps is, you know, it's keeping you from – Increasing your likelihood of injury, but again, it's getting you to touch that heavy weight so you know what that feels like because, right, um, there's a study out there with Schoenfeller and Gutierrez, right, um, we can almost prescribe a, a intensity, it's like say if we give somebody a 1RM, let's say one somebody's 1RM one is 315 um, and we prescribe 75% of that, there is that in that study that somebody literally can only do 5 reps and somebody can do all the way from like 30 reps and that just shows you, right, how specificity is key. So if you want to get better, stronger, train at a one or a two or a three, right? Because you're going to get that conditioning at that specific range or you're going to get that specific intensity of that load at that specific rep range. So um, specificity, I said it like three times in that sentence. That's key. Um, Progressive overload is key for either strength or hypertrophy um, to increase um, that RPE or increase um, that, that intensity that you are working at. Specificity. Basically, what he means by that is do what you want to get good
1: at. If you want to lift heavy. You lift need, heavy. Lift heavy. <laughs> if you want to lift heavy for a ton of reps, well, you're going to have to work up to that one with progressive overload. Progressive overload is just continuously pushing yourself. And there's numerous different ways. I mean, time under tension, rest time, sets,
0: uh, reps, weight, Um and I was kind of piggyback off that, right? You can either add reps, decrease um, the, way, the amount of reps. There's plenty of time or plenty of ways to kind of gauge progressive overload. Um, but I think, a lot, again, a lot of people get to that, that, that stigma where it's like, I gotta add weight, I gotta add weight. No, it's literally not that. Again, if you're increasing movement quality, like if 315 on your back feels, for example, let's use the RPE chart, right? So 315, three sets of eight, your last set of eight at week one was a nine. And fast forward four weeks from now, now 315 for a set of eight is now an RPE six. That's clear indicator that you've gotten stronger. We didn't add any weight, right? But we've gotten stronger, right? We build the tolerance to that, that rep range or that load. Um, and clearly with our RPEs, it's a gauge of strength um, without putting you under extremely heavy loads um, and increasing risk for injury. So it kind of is um, client dependent. Um, but it, again, it's there's plenty of ways to really I guess, track progress without killing yourself.
1: Yeah, and RPE, I think, is another huge thing that can go both ways for strength, for growing in size. I mean, RPE is basically how you're feeling that day and how you're going to be able to push yourself. And for RPE, for for growing in size, you need to go to that near failure. I mean, if you're not going to near failure, it needs to be one or two reps away from it, mm-hmm. every single exercise. Yeah. So what that looks like is i'll have clients i'll put on weight i'm like okay we're going up in weight this week i uh, say it's a new person so we're jumping 20 pounds this session they're comfortable okay they we don't know how many they're going to be able to do i have no idea so i'm be like okay just do as many as you can uh usually i like to do the amraps like once every four weeks or once every other uh or if i'm doing it every other i definitely that third week i'm like i'm asking some like deload questions like how are you feeling are you stressed have you been sleeping good yeah have you been like sore all the time so there's a lot of things that go into that but you really don't want to push yourself to failure so going in that near failure is just allowing you to yeah. achieve that maximal uh tension within your muscles that's really going to allow you to make progress yeah
0: and i think again um with going to near failure or to failure is almost exercise dependent right um why i say like with arms and like just just almost kill yourself, right yeah. um, because there's a really low re- injury or reward injury or risk reward uh, ratio to that yeah you're really not gonna probably hurt yourself with you're doing your arms if you're doing it in the correct way. Um, however, you know with like any compound movement, the risk reward ratio kind of um, is more heavier if you're training to failure um, on those compounds. so I think it's safe to say like again, realize utilize those RPEs um, and if somebody that doesn't really know RPEs right where we talked about previous episodes is Meet that client where they're at. Flip that gauge. So, hey, was that set easy, medium, hard? If it's easy, it's like, okay, we can add a little bit. It's medium. Okay, I'm expecting a little fatigue to happen. So, maybe we can keep the the weight here. If it's hard, um, you kind of use the discretion of yourself. Maybe decrease the the reps. um, Maybe take a set away or something like that, right? Um, We always walk in to a session with a plan, but we can always mitigate or modify that plan according to you know how that uh, person is feeling and how the session goes.
1: Yeah, and something I haven't mentioned, or we haven't mentioned, is the velocity within the bar as well. With training in person, that's such a vital tool, tool, I feel like, if you're asking someone what their RP is, or they're saying it's just super hard, but yet they're moving the bar faster on their last rep than the first rep, then like, okay, like we're gonna jump, we're going to jump some weight. Like yeah. if you're, you're moving this bar way too fast on your fourth set, like we're going up 10, 15 pounds, like mm-hmm. no questions asked. And I think that's something that online coaches take a lot for granted is those extra details.
0: Yeah. So yeah, something for me, my online uh, clients, I make a requirement to at least send me one to two um, lifts of either squat bench dead or whatever movement they might want me to check. Um, and I think, yeah, it's good to always have somebody to check that. Like, hey, coach, I thought this was an RP8. What do you think? Right? Because I'm kind of a little bit more experienced with that. Um, and you might be new to it. So it's like, if I think it's an 8 and you think it's an 8, hey, we're on the same page. But sometimes, right, you're telling me it's a 9. I look at it and laugh at you. I'm like, that's a 6. But again, it's very subjective. That's the one really negative thing with RP. There's a huge learning curve with it. Um, that's why I think sometimes dialing it back down. And just asking the simple question, hey, is it easy medium meet them hard. Um, you can kind of gauge it that way. Um, And then, like you said, programming um, specific AMRAPs for it um, so they can actually feel what a nine feels like or what a 10 feels like. Something I like to do too, um, and I've messed plenty of things up before, is like doing an AMRAP, but putting a cap on it. So let's say 315, hey, we're capping you off at eight reps, but tell me an RPE. But sometimes we'll literally do an eight and like, wow, like I was telling you that set of two was an RPE eight, but I just did a set of eight, and I still feel like I could do more reps, so um, that's another thing as well. You can use AMRAPs to, again, teach that client, like I said before, um, what an actual eight feels like, or whatever RPE goal you're trying to reach.
1: So, something that is actually extremely valuable that I forget where this came from. Man, I wish there was an author on this. It was something higher up, it might have been Helms, it might have been Sean. Schoenfeld, I, I don't know. But this programming notes that they talk about talks about doing am reps as many reps as possible. And then if you get like 10 or more reps, if you get 15 more, if you get 20 or more, they I haven't read it fully, but they talk about how much of a percentage of the weight you should go up. If, okay, like you just hit 23, I don't, I don't know how much weight to yeah, go up. So Have you
0: looked much into that? Yeah, so with RPE, right, sometimes I'll give you a specific range. Right? like, hey, force six, seven, or nine, right? Um, but if you tell me, um, that first rep or that first set was an RPE 6 and I told you, hey, keep your rep range within the seven to nine. Um, usually they say um, for every half point, so if like six and a half, seven, um, every half point increase it by 2%. And I'm not good at math, so I can't spit out numbers right for you. but um, 2%
1: of 100, two pounds.
0: Yeah, so two pounds, right? If you want to get to your, um, so like say it's a six, 100 pounds, I want you to get to an RPE 8, um, to get to an RP eight at hundred pounds, and you're telling me it was a six increase. That what? But that's four percent. So
1: it's four intervals times. Two. I don't know. I need a calculator. I don't
0: know either. So we're 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 physiologists. I science, think it's not mathematicians. I think it would be. F- but general key, if you're one one RP around uh, away, I generally say hey, anywhere from five to ten pounds is good. And again, that's kind of be very on the sp- specific movement. Um, but generally, five to ten uh, pound increment jumps is usually good to increase at least by one RPE.
1: So, okay, overall question, because I've started to do more pro, uh, linear programming or periodized programming. Uh, I was talking to you earlier, I believe, about some of my clients, they've been sort of not able to, to progress on a session-to-session basis, so I'm trying to take them to that next stage of programming where it's more so over the course of a month or uh, even longer for some. but mainly for these ones over the course of the month. So what's that look like? Is programming, uh, periodized, is basically accommodating the weight in the reps that you're increasing weight in a way that you're allowing your body to recover better. And for strength, I would say that's a pretty good way to put it, would you agree?
0: Yeah, I would say so.
1: For hypertrophy, it's slightly different because you're going to failure all the time, or near failure. One to two reps near, an and so my question to you is, if someone's having a hypertrophy focus, how do you feel about periodized training over the course of a month?
0: Yeah, so when you say periodization, uh, you know, obviously with you as having talked bucker, um, I don't think we really know what periodization is. I would almost yeah, would, just yeah. Specify right. Is is it what kind of program are you gonna uh, do? Um, and again, right. If you want, it's gonna depend on the individual, right? If somebody enjoys higher uh, load, right? I'm gonna, I guess, program our um, lower reps um, so they can kind of feel that heavier weight.
1: Load is the weight, if you don't know.
0: Um, And then if somebody, you know, they don't really care about load and they just kind of want to feel like they're working out really hard, right? Increase those reps a little bit. Um, But again, I think with that specific population, like, hey, how do we kind of induce as much hypertrophy as possible? That's either, you know, I think what I would do is either, again, modify, um, you know, tempos, um, increasing sets over time, reps over time. And then obviously, right, um, if I'm going four sets of 12 for four four weeks, our goal should hopefully increasing weight on that specific range. Um, So I think that's how I would program uh, for that specific target. So I wouldn't say, hey, um, you have to train at this specific rep range. I like to, again, ask the client, Hey, what kind of rep or weight or load do you like to work in? If it's, if it's heavier, right? Okay, then I'm okay with kind of staying within that five to six, seven, eight rep range for those compound movements. Um, and those accessory movements, definitely anything over 12 um, is going to be key. But again, I think the intensity of effort is the main driver, right? It's got to be the main driver for inducing any type of hypertrophy. Um, does that mean, hey, should I walk out of this session crippling and like, I can't feel anything. No, um, because if you're not recovering, right, you're not able to rebuild, uh, whatever we, I guess, broke down, um, or the other flipping aspect. And are not be able to go into the next training session and have that same intensity and effort as you had before. So again, it's not, it's, it's smart programming. So again, you got to be able to recovery from each session to be able to in, have as much intensity and effort from session to session.
1: Something that just came to mind. Have you ever done a hypertrophy program like just straight hypertrophy
0: um not that I can remember I usually I've always been one of those strength meatheads
1: I used to be that way but like within this past I would say year man when I remembered switching from powerlifting style focused or strength focused cuz that's what I always used to do not knowing it is I used to just try to lift heavy go mm-hmm. heavy work up to, like, a one RM with the RP of what we would say is, like, eight and a half or nine, and, man, when I switched to hypertrophy, man, some days just, like, today, that's what I was talking about, like, at the, at the end of my workouts, man, like, I'm just, my body's drained.
0: Yeah, so, again, that's, like, that's where I ask the question, like, some people are just not made for that, right? If you can't recover from that, maybe, hey, it's time to maybe dial it down and increase, like, the load, the increase intensity by increasing load. So with that, you're probably going to have to decrease reps. Um, and if that allows you to recover more, that works for you. That's right with it. Um, if it doesn't, and you're one of those people that just wants to chase the pump and get jacked and tan, by all means, we can do that. But again, it's also going to depend on how you're going to cover from session to session. Um, if you are continuously complaining about soreness, and I, I just can't go into the next session and give you as much effort as I want, as then again, that's I think a clo- coach-client discussion. Is like Maybe you're just pushing yourself a little bit too hard um, maybe you're not following your RPEs. So you
1: want to know what messed me up this whole week, I was going to try to do something that I am trying with one of my clients as well, which is like a periodized hypertrophy program. So when I, like you said, we don't really know what periodized means. So when I say periodized, I'm thinking of, uh, decreasing reps as we increase reps. Weight so the following month we can start at a slightly higher weight that first week mm-hmm. uh, and then just continuing doing that, still going to failure, near failure, one to two reps every single set. So it might not look like a perfect, like we're hitting four sets of 12. Uh, it might be that we hit our first set at 17 and then, okay, we're gonna throw some fives on and then it's at 13 and then 11 or and then 11 for the last one. Yeah,
0: but the key thing that you said right there, right? Every set you're giving me all you have, so you yeah. we know you're reaching that ceiling or of, Hey, I'm fatiguing the muscle. And as if I'm fatiguing that muscle, um, you're increasing your chances of inducing some type of hypertrophy.
1: Yeah. And that's why I'm sort of like alternating volume is because like you mentioned specific, specificity states that you need to lift heavier if you want to lift heavy. Yeah. So on that third, fourth week, if I'm getting down to six reps, eight reps, I mean, that's gonna, it's, it's not idea for strength, but it's getting closer to where we want to be if we're going to try to increase strength. Yeah. So that's why I'm starting to sort of alternate with that. But no, this week, man, oh, I don't know why I did that to myself. I did all my sets at 15 reps. And if I couldn't get to it, man, I obviously would stop one or two reps shy. Yeah. But man, doing every single exercise till 15 reps.
0: Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, that's not easy, man. But, it, yeah, it's, it's great then when you get to that 15 and then, you know, you go down to that 8, 10 or whatever rep range and you feel good, yeah. right? You, that, you've built that work capacity to get here and for that to feel really easy. I don't, I don't remember the last time I did 15
1: reps with all my exercises yeah, or even one. That's tough. When I is, get,
0: And sometimes, like, again, for me, again, why sometimes I don't do this because I literally get bored. I'm hitting there right, That usually six reps. I'm like, ah, I got to do this shit again. <laughs> um, so it, sometimes it just gets boring. So that's why it's like, again, ask those types of questions to your clients. Like, how do you feel about doing X amount of reps? If you're continuously saying, hey, I'm, I'm just not a fan. It's like, okay, well, I'll keep throwing at tempo, but decrease the reps, but we're still getting that those, those muscle fibers fatigue. We're just doing yeah. it in a fashion that is working for you. So I got the biggest thing, right? We're talking about all this, um, and we're getting really nitty gritty. At the end of the day, right, I think asking the appropriate questions for your clients, um, and there's no right or wrong way to program, right? Um, Unless it's like if you want to get stronger, you got to lift heavy. If you want to induce hypertrophy, there's a million different ways to kind of induce that specific outcome. Um, But we're just kind of getting into the nitty-gritty.
1: All right, so to wrap this up, we got strength, which is lifting heavier weights. We got hypertrophy or building muscle. I'll recap building muscle what important things you should do, like some key factors. If you could walk away with this, if you just spent the last 34 minutes listening to this, take this into your program.
0: What would it be for getting stronger? For stronger, it's like lift at a specific rep range. Um, Which is? You wanna, so if it's for, so let's say powerlifts, right? Uh, you should probably get good at handling heavy loads for one rep. Mm-hmm. Um, focus on movement quality. Um, but again, movement quality or increasing strength doesn't always have to mean adding weight to the bar. Um, focus on movement quality. Focusing on right specific um, movement patterns in that way that's gonna again transfer over to that movement. Um, but again, most importantly, work up to heavy singles. And I think again on those days that you're not working up to heavy singles, focus on that movement quality. Um, so again, it'll transfer over better for you when you're in, on competition day.
1: So correct me if I'm wrong, but would you say hypertrophy is there's a lot more factors to consider? when programming for that rather than strength, where my view, you wanna get stronger, you just lift heavier weights. Obviously, you gotta go about it in a smart way, but for hypertrophy, the main things you should take away is like, well, there's several factors. Would you agree with that? Yeah. So the several factors for hypertrophy is you need to hit certain amount of sets per muscle group per week. Uh, Frequency, like how many times you're hitting that muscle group during the week, uh, ideally, you should do it twice. It's probably the minimum that's going to be really good. Uh, anything more than that, I don't think it's very clear how much more beneficial it will be Yeah. where two is the minimum. I know three is up there uh, I with a the number. Uh,
0: there's a really good review article um, from Stu Phillips. I can't remember exactly, but I want to say anywhere from two to four is like great. Um, again, specificity is key for strength. For hypertrophy, they say anywhere – I mean you can literally – increase muscle mass from anywhere from five freaking to 50 reps if you wanted to. But just understand 50 reps, time consideration, it's going to take you a long time to do 50 reps. So if you don't want to be in the gym for a very long time, okay, you're going to obviously have to increase the load um, and decrease reps. But again, you're still, the main component for I think hypertrophy is intensity of effort. Intensity of effort has to be there. So again, you can't Right. If we talk about volume, right? If I want a thousand pounds, I can't pick up one pound and do that a thousand times. Right? You're probably not stimulating enough muscle fibers, so you gotta have some sort of nice, uh, happy medium. I mean, technically, if you're going
1: a thousand times, I think Dr. Buckner would love to argue this one. I mean, yeah, there's there's literally literally literature out there that says
0: no load training increases. So if I I sit here and flex as hard as I can. Scared. i know if i if i do that like you can induce some type of swelling and muscle hypertrophy so but again again that's us literally getting to the nitty-gritty of this stuff um i think the most important thing is like right find what works with you and run with it
1: yeah definitely push yourself for hypertrophy go to near failure uh do more sets than not but don't too don't do too much where you can't recover mm-hmm. and don't feel like you always have to do more you can add a pound on each side of the bar and yeah It'll be enough to do a new stimulus.
0: Exactly, right. Progressive overload is key for hypertrophy. And again, specificity is key for strength. Yeah. Mic drop. All right. Appreciate y'all tuning in. Shout out to um, Creed, the dog that was very silent throughout this whole video as well.
1: He's a champ. He's going to be our mascot one day. All right, guys. See you later. Take these guys.